Well, we're talking about prayer tonight, and that's super important. And um, I am a little bit jet-lagged, guys. I hope I don't screw anything up. I want to give a, you a good word tonight on, on making prayer a lifestyle. And I'm, I'm battling with a little bit of the jet lag and a little bit of the fasting. And you guys are in the fast with me right now, people. You're giving stuff up. You know, the fast is awesome. It's awesome. I'm like spacey. I'm low-grade low grade migraines all the time, low-grade migraines. I'm super hungry. I'm mad every time I see food. I'm like, but other than that, it's awesome. <laughs> other than that, it's amazing. Now, here's the reason is, the reason that we do these fasts, and some of you guys did the complete fast, and if you're just joining us here this weekend and you're like, what are they talking about? Well, we all have been preaching. We entered into a fast last week for 21 days where we're all seeking the Lord in prayer and fasting together. There's a brochure, I think it's in the seats, it's on the seats, that explains the whole deal about the fast, and you can get information at the blue wall and online and all of that, but we're all just taking the season together to go, I want more of God. Let's, let's seek and pray. Let's believe for more. Let's believe for answers. And see, it's not about the fast. If we get hung up on the fast, our mind gets distracted in the wrong way. The fast is simply taking away some of the physical needs in order that we can chase after some of the spiritual needs. Amen? Because fasting without prayer is just a diet. Amen? You just fast without prayer. That's, you're just trying to lose weight. It has nothing to do with God. But when you say, Lord, I'm giving some stuff up, some food or some needs in my life. The, the, uh, the soul fast is really popular. I read all of your guys' cards that you turned in that said, this is what I'm gonna be giving up. So many of you guys are like, this, I need to get the distractions out of my soul. Facebook, off, Instagram, off, Snapchat, all that, Twitter, whatever, Netflix, all that. I'm taking a break from stuff that's physical needs of mine so that I can pour into needing God more, amen? And so let me tell you guys, I've been only about a week so far, not even, right? It's only, it's only Friday, six days, five days, six days, it's not that long. But I'm already starting to realize that in the time that I used to look at social media or the time that I used to spend eating and all that, that what's driving me into seeking God more, he's already speaking to me. Let, me. let me just tell you this, what you can expect in fasting and when you pray and fast and really seek God, you don't always get the results that you think you're praying for. The reason I say that is because God knows our needs and not our wants. Too many times we get that confused and we think, this is what I need, God, I'm fasting for this. And God goes, no, I know what the deeper cause is and I wanna heal you completely and fix you and bless you completely, not just what you think, right? And so what I'm finding is, when I'm hearing God now as I'm, as I'm seeking and I'm praying and I'm fasting, he's actually, some of the things I'm praying for, I wish that would happen, you know what God's doing? He's going, here's what you need to change in you, Carl. Oh, wait, that's, that's not what I'm fasting for, God. I want, I want that to change. And God goes, no, I need you to change so that that result will come about even better than you think. Amen? So I would encourage you guys, if you're, if you're praying and fasting with us as a church, keep pouring in, keep pressing in. Realize that it's not gonna be maybe exactly what you want. And realize this, I talked to a group of pastors recently that, that they do this annually, the prayer and fasting, is that what they see most often is that the big breakthrough comes after the fast that God needs to change you first and stir up your discipline and your faith in him first, and then the breakthrough comes. So some of us were expecting it day one, man, I gave up cookies, where's my miracle? <laughs> it's not always that simple. And so anyways, we're, we're talking about prayer and fasting, and, and if you are hearing this for the first time and you're like, 
I want to jump in. Pastor Carl, can I jump in? Join us for the rest of the remaining days of the fast. We ended on March 11th. Just take a look at this, figure out what you want to commit to God, and join us wherever you're at, and just write it out for the the rest of the time. There's no really wrong way to do it, but um, I'm having a good time during this fast. I'm really looking forward to what's going to come out of it. You know, we got a lot of this material from this guy named Chris Hodges. He's a pastor um, in Birmingham, Alabama, and He's in this association of churches that we just recently joined called the ARC Network, which means Association of Related Churches. Their whole deal um, is that they just want to launch and grow life-giving churches. So they're real like-minded and they're just relational. They're not a denomination. We belong to Foursquare Denomination. They're just a network of people wanting the same vision, they're the same like-mindedness. And when I went to Arkansas the week before, I was hanging out with Pastor Rick Bizet. You guys remember that guy? He came and spoke a little while ago in November. He's part of this association of related churches. Their whole goal is launch and grow life-giving churches. This weekend, the ARC Network is launching five new churches. Isn't that cool? Is that we're a part of something that's constantly building more churches, and they've seen over 600 churches launched in the past 16 years. So I wanted to give you a little bit of background on that because you're going to be hearing more about it because we're part of this network that is so good, this ARC Churches. But Chris Hodges, we got a lot of his material on this subject of prayer. He's done it for a number of years in his church, and he, he really puts together some good teachings and sermons and stuff. So I'm going to be sharing some of what I learned from him tonight. And we're talking about tonight a lifestyle of prayer. And this is what I want you to really catch, is that it's not enough to pray at specific intervals or do these once-in-a-while type of fasts is that we develop, as Christians, a lifestyle of just constantly talking to God and Him meeting our needs and Him we receive as He talks to us. In fact, 1 Thessalonians, I'm going to give you a bunch of scripture tonight. This is good stuff. 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, verse 16 and 18 says, always be joyful, and then here's the big verse tonight, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you, who belong to Christ Jesus. Now, this whole series that we're doing on 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, we've kind of titled Pray First. Pray First, a lifestyle of prayer. Pray First, last week we learned how to pray the Lord's Prayer. The first week we talked about prayer and fasting. But here's kind of the the main phrase that goes along with the series is that prayer should be our first response and not our last resort, okay? Prayer should be our first response and not our last resort. It's, the, it's a lifestyle of, of prayer and talking to God that you would actually say, God, I don't just go through life alone and once in a while bring you around, is that you bring God into every situation, every circumstance, every relationship, every business deal, every hobby that you're into, every facet of your life, you're saying, I'm never gonna stop praying. My relationship with God is gonna be ongoing all the time, and we wanna turn prayer into a lifestyle because the problem with a lot of us is we turn prayer on and we turn prayer off. A lot of us come to church, check in, Friday, worship God, yeah, God, cool, good to hear from you, good to talk to you. Then we're like, out, see you next Friday, right? Bye, God, see you next Friday. We forget that God is in us and he's living and working in us all the time. We should constantly be in conversation with him. It's not a time of prayer and fasting. It's that we just pray all the time. Listen to this. Martin Luther wrote this awesome quote that I really enjoy here that says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. He's basically saying, Christians, it's second nature, it's who you are. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. There's, here's a really good verse that summarizes it. 
This is in the book of John. This is Jesus teaching himself, right? Whenever Jesus teaches, whenever you open your Bible and you see the red letters, that's Jesus teaching. You perk your ears up, you listen, you pay attention. Here's what Jesus said. He said, remain in me and I will remain in you. See, that's a big word tonight. And in what, what we're talking about, lifestyle of prayer, it's this word, remain. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful in your life in your business, in your relationship, unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you're the branches, right, that are, that are growing out of the vine. Those who remain in me and I in them, and here's the reason, here's the payoff, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So fruit, what does that mean? That means if you, if you stay in contact and connection with God and, and listening to him and you're praying all the time, making your needs known, is that things are gonna start to get better in your life. A lot of times we don't understand, like, how come I'm a Christian, but nothing's working out in my life? How much time are you spending with the one that you say you worship and that you love and you follow? How much time are you spending with them? Well, like I said, I go to church once a week. Oh, is that it? Well, once in a while, I open my Bible, and if I have a need, then I pray. God is saying this, is your life will produce much fruit. Whatever you're facing right now, if I say, biggest problem in your life right now, and you're thinking of it in your head right now, if you remain in Jesus, he says that that situation can begin to bear fruit and begin to change and begin to get better if you remain in him. So this is lifestyle stuff. This is, in Jesus, oftentimes in scripture, there's, there's places where he taught about praying and he taught about fasting. And you know how he started off teaching that in the gospels? He says, when you pray, do it like this. When you fast, do it like this. You notice that he doesn't say, if you pray and if you fast. What Jesus was thinking and assuming and expecting is that every one of his followers would be people of prayer, would be people of fasting. You don't have to wait till once a year the church does a fasting. You can at any time when you're going, I need to seek in, I need to, like, I like how Pastor Tom said it, turn down the volume of the world so I can turn up the volume of God in my life. Fasting can be a regular pattern in your life. You do it for one day, you do it for three days, you, whatever it is. Jesus preached that we should be remaining in him. When you pray, not if you pray. Hey, it's when you do it, do it this way, that it's this Christian lifestyle. Listen to this quote by Corey Ten Boom. I love this one. It says, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Isn't that good? Is prayer your steering wheel that every day for direction, you gotta be on that thing driving around? Or is it in case of emergency, right? And some of us don't even know where the jack is. Oh, I got a flat tire, what do I do, right? It's, it can't be one of those things. It's gotta be that steering wheel, I love that. But we're talking about lifestyle here tonight. So I wanna give you about four things tonight that just help develop prayer as a lifestyle in your life. And some of you might already know these things and you're like, check, check, check. But some of them might be really good reminders because what you used to check, you kind of like, ooh, it's unchecked in my life right now. I need a good reminder of this. But it helps establish a lifestyle of prayer. So here's the first thing is to have a certain time, a certain time when you pray. That's important. See, I believe it should be first. I believe that, that prayer first is the priority, that when you start your day every day, I think you should make that time of your day if it's not the main time you pray, it should be part of the time you pray that you're starting your day off, filling yourself up with the hope of Jesus Christ, with the power of the Holy Spirit, with the wisdom that you need to succeed in life, with confidence to take on that day because you wake up and instantly all the, the troubles start flooding in and then you just go, wait a minute, if I take this to God, you know what happens after I, I lay in bed and I pray every morning. So lay in bed, I'm not out loud, I'm not like freaking out my wife or anything. 
Dear Lord, you know, it's like, you have to do that. And it's late, and as soon as I wake up, instantly I better talk to God because I need him because I'm not gonna have the strength and the power to get through my agenda that I already went through in my head unless I bring God into that situation, amen? So I believe that there's a priority that you should develop a time is that what we do first matters most. If you make a list of things to do, usually the one you put on top is the thing that matters most. Would you guys agree with that, right? It's like priority, and so prayer sets us up for the rest of the day, the rest of what's going on. The Sabbath comes on a Saturday for the Jewish people, right? They ended their week with a time of rest, but then Sunday when they went to temple or tabernacle, or they met together to worship God, wasn't just symbolically because that was the day Jesus was, was resurrected, that's part of it, but the other part was the Jewish person in Bible times knew, I need to start my week off with God before anything else happens. Amen? And so we have this thing that says, make a set time, develop a certain time. See, even in tithing, you know, pastors get this wrong too many times, and people get this wrong, Christians. Oh, it's all about how much you tithe, and it's it's not so much about the amount as as it is about the fact that it's your first fruits, that God wants to see that you're going, yeah, I I don't really even care how much you give and all of that. I gave you 10% as a marker. That's a good thing for tithing. But really what he's after is, do you put me first above everything else? Do you tithe, does your tithe come first? Because that shows that God is more important than all these other bills and these other needs and these things. After. There's something to be said for the first, the start of the day. So have a certain time. Look at Daniel in, in Daniel 6.10. It says, when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, now what's he talking about? There's a law that had been signed that said everybody needs to bow down to the king and not to God. And Daniel said, no, I don't roll that way. I only serve one king, and it's the king of all kings. I'm not gonna worship that other king. So when he learned that a law had been signed saying that, you gotta worship the king, he went home, and look what he did. He knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, and this is the cool part, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. You know what Daniel did? He developed a habit. You wanna be someone that remains in prayer, that you remain in Jesus, that it becomes a lifestyleist? Develop a habit that says, I have a certain time every day that that's my, my, that's my God's time. That's my time to pray and my time to connect with God. It's like the things that you are, normally do on a habit, develop a prayer time, right? You normally wake up, you take a shower. Anybody in here, you shower, right? morning or night sometime during the week, Saturday nights only. But we take a shower every day. You go through the routine, the habit, brushing my teeth, man. I gotta get that breath and all that clean, you know? Or you, you know, whatever it is that you do, or put the deodorant on. Some of you guys are learning that, that's okay. Like single guys, like it works good. It helps with the ladies, deodorant. But you make prayer a part of that daily routine that there's actually a, a time that's in your head. It's like, man, every day I do this thing. You know what happens? It becomes a habit. It's not that you see at church on Sunday, God. It's like every day, here's my time to have this special time with God, certain time. It fills you up. It does something to you when you start your day with God. Now, I'm preaching about this because I think it's important to have a certain time, but also as important is any time. You would remember that it's good to have a certain time because you build it into your, your schedule of your day and you are praying and seeking God. But also I believe that there's, there's power in praying all the time, right? We just read, never stop praying. 
for problems, for healing, for rejoicing, for wisdom. In any circumstance, bring prayer into it. Bring God right into it. No matter where you are, I was buying a, a mountain bike the other week because I'm trying to get in shape, right? Because I, I don't get to surf as much. And if I go surfing, it takes several hours. Go drive, find the beach, go surfing, drive home. It's a big deal. But if I have something else just to give me quick exercise, keep my heart rate up, stay in shape like that, so I'm thinking, I want to get a mountain bike. But you know what I did first? I prayed about it. I just prayed, God, is this a good idea? Should I do this? Should I walk? Should I do something? Should I pursue this thing? And then even as I'm shopping, because I love to shop for stuff, like I take hours researching it because I want to be the guy with the best deal on the block. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm like, yeah, Amazon, half off, shipping, Prime, blah, blah, you know, all that. But I went shopping all around. I went to one bike, bike shop, and the guy was like, this is really good. It fits you. It's the right size, right? This is all these gears. Everything's good about it. But I, I said, well, I'm not really ready to commit to it yet. Oh, but you got the money? Yeah, I got the money and this and that. But, and I literally just told the guy, I need to go home and pray about it. And he's like, oh, really? I said, no, literally, I don't make any big purchases and crazy stuff like that unless I take God into that situation and I bring it to him first. And so you know what? I went home, I prayed about it. And the guy wanted to sell me the bike then and there, right? Because it's like, I don't know, commission or whatever. But I said, no, I got to pray about it about everything. Pray at all times. Have a certain time that you meet with the Lord, that you begin to develop habits, but then also be ready to anything that comes up in your life. Man, God, what do you think about this? God, what, is this a good idea? Should I spend money on this? God, God, what do you want from me? And I ended up buying a bike, but not from that guy. I went to another store, and I found a better deal, because I'm awesome. I searched for the deals, <laughs> and my God led me. Like, God, I'm, I'm going to pray about this thing first. He goes, maybe you should check out this other store. It's just the whole, it's the, the guys, it's a lifestyle of prayer. Do you get what I'm saying? It's amazing to have a certain time. That will help get you started. And it's awesome. I have those certain times in my life, but also I'm open all the time. Here's the second thing is have a certain place. Find yourself a certain place. Find yourself a certain place that becomes a holy place for you because that's where you meet with God. And any place can be like that, but find a place to you that is special, that is man. When I go to that place, I go expecting because God's met me there in the past. He spoke to me and that's my place to go and sit and I have a special place with God. You know, some of you couples, you have that special, that special restaurant, that's our spot. You can't eat there, that's our spot, right? It's like you have a special thing between you and God, you have a certain place. Listen to this about Jesus. I love this verse in Mark 1.35. It says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and he went out to an isolated place to pray. Now, interesting to note that when you talk about places to pray and where Jesus prayed, you guys know the famous place he died, or he prayed before he was crucified, right? He went to the Garden of Gethsemane. You guys know that in scripture? We, we read that before he was crucified, he went to the garden to pray, his disciples came and all that stuff. But many scholars believe that even when it's talking about it in this verse, and it says he went out to an isolated place to, to pray, many scholars believe that the Garden of Gethsemane was Jesus's place to pray, as that he had a special place. Now he traveled all around and he's praying and communicating with the Father at all times, but that many scholars and commentators actually believe that that was Jesus's special place where he met with the Father. And we see him praying that, that crazy hard prayer and, and, and blood coming out of his pores and he's praying so hard, Lord, if there's anything you can do to take this cup from me, but not my will be done, your will be done, right? That crazy, heavy, solid prayer that he had developed a place in his life. I think it's important, honestly, for us to find that kind of a place, a certain place to meet with God. I've got a lot of different places. I, one of my, you know, people say, I have my personal prayer closet. 
You ever heard Christians say that? It's like one of those Christian things we say, I go into my prayer closet, and I, it's not really a closet, you know, because some people, maybe some of you are, but you're in there with your like, jackets, like, oh, God, um, in the midst of these hangers, we glorify, I don't know, but I think there's power in having a special place where you connect with God that becomes a holy place. For me, like I start off the day, I'm in my bed, I go in the shower, God meets me in the shower, I don't know why, I have nothing to hide, I'm just there and you know, whatever, and I meet with God, but in my car sometimes, no radio on, but, but honestly, you know what, I found a spot at a beach when I was on sabbatical a couple years ago, seeking God, I found a spot at a beach that became a spot where God spoke to me a lot of stuff, and he healed me, and he blessed me, and whenever I go to that beach, it's like a place where I just instantly go right into praying with God. What's your spot? Have a spot, a comfy chair in the house, a place in the backyard, and maybe it's the lunchroom at the office. But when you begin to have a special spot, it helps, again, to develop an ongoing habit that becomes a lifestyle in your life. Does that make sense, guys? You have that special spot that's between you and God. So a certain place is great, but also remember this. On the other hand, any place is awesome. Because as a Christian, where you go, God goes. And if God is there and you meet with God, any place can become a holy place, right? In the, I was reading this in scripture the other day. Joshua is crossing the Jordan River with all the Israelites into the promised land. And in the middle of the, of the Jordan River, God stopped up the water so all these Israelites could walk across and they're holding the Ark of the Covenant. And when he got to the other side, God said, you know what, get some stones together, build a marker, a monument, a remembrance place that this was the place where I met with you and I did an awesome miracle in your life. But you know that when you take God into any situation, in any place you're in, and you commune with him and let him talk to you, it becomes a holy place. You can pray anywhere. I know some of us have learned like, no, I have to kneel down in my bed and I gotta do this and I gotta go to church. No, God is with you everywhere. God is everywhere and you can pray with him anywhere. That means I have a desk set up in my garage with all the junk piled up and all everything else around and all my pallet furniture and my shells and my bikes and my surfboards and all that my desk in my garage has become a holy place, <laughs> right? Because it's holy to me. It's set apart for me because that's oftentimes where God downloads to me and speaks with me. Develop in your life having a certain time, a certain place to meet with God, it's amazing. And on the other hand, wherever you go, God goes and you can make that a holy place as well. Is this good for you guys? Is this like simple stuff, but it reminds us, let's not make such a big, hard, religious deal about prayer, but it's just all the time. Here's the third one is have a certain plan. Luke 11, verses one and two, once Jesus was in a certain place, praying, right, a certain place, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him. They were watching him. There's Jesus over there in his place. He always goes to that spot. He's always praying. We see him praying. It looks awesome. He's getting business done with the Father. And they came up and they asked him a question. They said, you know, they came up, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, can, can you teach us how to pray? Just as John taught his disciples, Jesus says, this is how you should pray. And that's what we talked about, preached about last week. Pastor Nick preached on the Lord's Prayer and he actually gave us, here's a little bit of a plan, a format, a program on how to pray. You know what I realized when I was looking through all the cards of people this week, you guys that turned in, I'm gonna fast and pray for this. Some people actually said, I'm gonna start praying to know what to pray for. I need a little bit of help to know how to pray. And really, Jesus gave us that format in the Lord's Prayer that was a plan. He gave us a plan on how to pray. But there's lots of plans on how to, plans on how to pray. That's a hard one, right? Plans on prayer, plans on prayer, plans on prayer. Ooh, yes. But it's that you walk into prayer 
Not just going, well, God, I'm supposed to meet with you, so I don't know, I gotta kill like 10 minutes here, right? And think of something to pray. You go in knowing, I'm gonna pray through the Lord's Prayer, or I'm gonna pray through this devotional on our phones and on our, our iPads and laptops and everything. There's no excuse. There's so many amazing um, devotional reading plans and prayer plans, like in our, our Bible apps, and it's just available. But th- there's some in this book right here. We've given you different ways to pray in this book. You can go pick up at the blue wall. But have a plan of attack when you're going into prayer. Is it spiritual warfare prayer? Is it praying the Acts prayer? Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Are you praying through that? What, what is the plan when you go into prayer? Because make it meaningful. You find that if you begin to create a plan and a list, and you have a list of, of people you need to pray for, it, when you go into it, you start thinking like, oh, how am I going like to kill 10 minutes worth of prayer? When you have a plan going into it, and you're reading along with scripture, you got some kind of plan, what you find is, man, I don't have enough time. I have this plan all laid out. I need to cover all these bases. There's people I need to pray for in my life. There's situations. There's this going on. Is you come with a plan, and you start going, my prayer is pretty cool. It's pretty easy. There's actually a lot of stuff going on that I want to pray for every single day, but you got to have a plan. I went on a vacation a couple months ago. Um, where was I? Southern California. Southern California with the family. And usually we go on vacation. We go to stay with people. We just have like kind of a broad, let's just go and relax and just whatever happens, happens. But this time, me and the kids were like scoping out the whole, we want to go to the Redwood Forest. We want to go to Monterey Aquarium. We want to go to Disneyland. We want to go to... Um, uh, see certain people. We want to go all these different places. We want to eat at certain restaurants. Anybody ever heard of Soup Plantation? Yeah. Soup Plantation. Oh, come on. That's a good restaurant. It's one of those like pay 14 bucks and you just keep eating all day long. It's like buffet, right? Huge salad bar, pizza, chili. How many of you guys? I'm just killing your fast right now, right? <laughs> oh, man. We're like, we better go to Soup Plantation. It was on the plan. It's on the list. In and out burgers. In and out. We got to go. Like literally part of my plan is I budget for it. I need to gain weight when I go on vacation. Like I need to eat as much as possible. But here's the deal. We had the greatest vacation because we had all these plans and we ticked them all off the list and we accomplished some stuff. See, when you go into prayer, don't just wander into prayer and go, God, I don't know what to talk to you about. Go in with a list. Some of you guys, you have lists in your phone, in your address book, on the side of your bed, on a whiteboard, whatever it might be, and you're like, I have something to talk about with God. It becomes a habit in your life. Is this helpful tonight, guys? I'm giving you kind of basics, but it's on a prayer lifestyle. Did you know this? I was reading this this week. 14,000 people per month go to Google and type in how to pray. 14,000 people per month on Google type in how to pray, and check this out. It comes up with over 174 million search results for that query, for that question, which means there's a lot of all kind of ideas and opinions and advice out there. I'm just trying to give you some basic, simple, biblical stuff on how to pray and how to make prayer a lifestyle. Well, here's the fourth thing that I want to talk about. We talked about a certain time, place, and plan. This one's really important, is the the certain persons of prayer, because you need to know who you're praying to. Amen? Because there's too many people that you're just throwing stuff out there and they don't really know where it's going or, or the, who's receiving it or what good it's even doing. It's almost like sometimes you go by and you just, you, you flick a penny into the wishing well and you just hope it's going out there and somebody's listening and something's happening. Well, God is a lot more personal than that. He's not just some like religious symbol thing that you do and you hope something good happens. Is that you relate and you pray to each member of the Trinity differently. Did you know that? because they each have different roles to play in the, in the Godhood. 
They each have different personalities in the Godhood. And so it makes a difference when you pray. Are you praying to the Father? Praying to Jesus the Son? Praying to the Holy Spirit? How, how does this whole thing work? Well, at certain times with certain needs in your life, you're kind of asking for the specifics of their character and their personality and who they are. Now, I don't think there's a wrong way to pray. You can't just go and pray God and it's wrong. Oh, shoot, I should have prayed to the Holy Spirit, not just God. Now, I think anyway, he's still one, but I think there's, there's certain characteristics of, of the nature of God and the three personalities that are important because your view of God determines your relationship with God. Does that make sense? Some of you guys growing up, you had a wrong view of God. You had an idea that God is just this mean old man with a white beard up in heaven. He doesn't really love you. He just scolds you, and you better get in line and follow all of his rules or you're going to get it. Some of us were brought up with that kind of a, a thought. Some of us were brought up thinking, God isn't that, that big of a deal. He's not really there. He kind of created us all, set us up, and we're kind of on our own. It's kind of like just good luck when we throw prayers out to him. He's, he's maybe just, he's weak or he's decided not to really be super active in our lives. That's a wrong view of God, right? Some of us are, are, are made to feel like he, he wants to make us feel guilty all the time. He's, he's after us or we, we just have these, these wrong views of God and I really believe your view of God determines your relationship with him because there's people in life, if you have the wrong view of them, you get different results in that relationship. Like there's, I, I can think of today, there's, there's people I know actually in this church. This is kind of funny because I went to school with, there's people in this church that I, I know from school days or whatever. And sometimes you're thinking, man, I remember that kid in high school or junior high. They're so weird. Or you guys all remember like the smelly kid in class or the kid that peed their pants or, you know, there's always some story. And then like 20 years later, that's all you still think about him, right? He grew up he never pees his pants anymore. He's like married with kids. He's a respectable businessman, but you're just like, oh, there's a kid that peed his pants. It's like, no, he's not like that. You have a wrong view based on something far long ago. And here's the deal with God. When you pray, don't, don't pray with the wrong view in mind. Get to know who you're praying to because it makes a difference in the way that you have this prayer relationship. 2 Corinthians 13, 14 says this. And this is Paul closing out his letter to the church at Corinth. And these are some of his last words. And he says, the amazing grace of the master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with all of you. And he's basically saying, hey, there's three parts to God here. And they're kind of known for different things. And it's basically, he's talking about, first of all, is the amazing grace of Jesus. The grace of Jesus is that he made a way for unholy people to have a relationship with a holy God because of the grace that was shown to us on the cross. Because of his death and resurrection, Jesus is the one that makes it possible. He's the mediator. He's the bridge. He's the connection from us, sinful people, to a perfect and holy and righteous God. Because of what Jesus did, he's the one that gets us there. Because of his grace, which is undeserved favor and power and love and kindness. We don't deserve it, but Jesus came along and he said, Father, I really don't want to go to this cross if there's any other way, but not my will, yours be done. Because he submitted to the Father and he knowingly, willingly went to the cross for us, he bridged the great divide between humanity and God. Because of that grace available in our lives, you need to know that when you're praying to Jesus, that you're, you can pray to the Father through Jesus because Jesus makes it possible for us to have a relationship with God. Hebrews 4.15 says this, this high priest of ours, talking about Jesus, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. 
So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Here's a cool thing about Jesus is he knows exactly what you and I are going through because it took him 33 years of his life to be a baby born in a manger, grow up and live life and walk through all of the temptations, trials and problems that we walk through so that he could relate to us. But he did it without sinning. See, aren't you appreciative of knowing that nature and character of Jesus that when you come with him and you're like, Jesus, you have no idea how bad this hurts right now. My friend or my family member, they died. And Jesus goes, yeah, I, I know what that's like. I had a friend named Lazarus, right? And he, he, you come to him and you're like, hey, Jesus, man, you don't know what the temptation is like out there. No, no, I actually grew up. I went through the teenage years. I know the temptation. I know that there was girls out there too. Back then, there was girls then, there's girls now. I know the temptation. I know what you're going through. Well, but Jesus, you don't understand this. I'm so angry. I'm so No, I got angry at you. I got angry at sin once and flipped over some tables. I should tell you that story one day, right? But do you understand the grace of Jesus that says, I know what you're going through. I understand where you're at. And so when you pray, it changes everything. He's not a God that's judging you. He's a God that's made a way to have perfect relationship with the Father in heaven. This is the grace of Jesus in our lives. And I'm thankful when I pray. I'm thankful to Jesus forgiving me what I don't deserve. I'm thankful to Jesus. I pray differently. Jesus, you're the one that went to the cross. So when I'm just overwhelmed with, with thanks for what you did, salvation, the hope of eternal life, the fact that you're my hope for every situation coming my way, the fact that Jesus, scripture says you're my anchor. Thank you for being my anchor. See, it changes the way you pray when you know the personalities you're praying to. Amen? How many of you guys are thankful for Jesus right now? Come on. Are you thankful for Jesus right now? And secondly, that, that verse would say, says that you would know the extravagant love of the Father. That you know that in, in the Bible that this is God's favorite term for us to call him is Father. There's a lot of things that we could call him Lord, Master, but it's the fact that he loves when we call him Father because he wants us to understand as a Father that we would understand the love, the fact that he believes in us. He supports us. He's encouraging us. He's not here to judge us. He's here to love us and to make us better. And a big problem with a lot of us Christians is we limit our view of God the Father because we compare it to our earthly fathers. And that's a big, no matter how bad or good our earthly fathers are, we limit our view of God the Father in thinking, oh, he's like that. And what he, what he is is far better. Look at what the psalmist wrote in, in Psalm 103. He says, the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He's slow to get angry, and he's filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He's removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate, to those who fear him. See, it's good to know when you don't have confidence, when you're feeling of no value, when you're feeling like no one could love you because you know the person you are and the things you've done. It's good to know that you can pray to a God that says, I love you anyway. Because of what Jesus did and that grace and repairing our relationship, all I wanna do is bless your life. And I don't care what the world thinks about you. I don't care what your boss thinks about you. I don't care what the kids at school are calling you. You're amazing, you're awesome, I love you. And all I wanna do is make your life better. Some of us need to learn to embrace the love that God has for us. See, my kids, I love my kids. My son, 
He's, he's awesome. He tries all these sports. He tries every hobby in the world. And, and all I want to do as a loving father is to support him and stand behind him and embrace him. There was, a, there was a while, like his latest thing is sailing. I've told you guys before, Isaac Buzz, he surfs, he skateboards, he's done taekwondo, he's done ukulele lessons, he's done, uh, what else does he do? Every, he tries all these sports, pole vaulting, like he just start, tries everything. And um, his latest one is, Dad, I want to sail. I'm like, sail? I want to be a sailor. I'm like, uh, they have classes at your school for that? Yep. Kamehameha, every class in the world. Okay, man. So now he's sailing. He's like looking up shirts tonight on the internet that says, I love sailing. I'm like, seriously? Really? But everything that he tries, like even when he was young, there was a point he was like fifth grade or something, and he got all into beatboxing. He has no beatboxing. He's like, right? And I was like, what the heck, but I'm gonna support my son because I love him, right? So we're watching late at night YouTube videos on. First you do this, then you do this. I'm like, whoa, whoa, I'm doing it, you know? But whatever he does, I wanna be the dad that gets behind his kid no matter what his dreams are. Are you guys feeling me on this? Like there was a while he was into parkour. Does anyone know what parkour is? It's like freestyle running, and you like jump off of walls, and you like flip over things, and do all this stuff. And he's like third grade, fourth grade. I don't know how old he was, but he's like, Dad, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get into parkour. I was like, Parkour? I don't even know what that is. He goes, No, it's this. And showed me all these videos. We literally went out and got him parkour shoes, like they're special shoes. No, I gotta get me these parkour shoes. He's like a little kid. It's so hilarious. He made us film him at the playground. We go to the playground. He's like jumping up the slide and running and spinning. Jumps off and he's like, parkour. I was like, yeah, all right, you know. But whatever he does, listen to me on this one. I love that kid. I think it's awesome. And I don't know how he's going to be a professional sailor. I don't know what's going on in his life. But I want to stand behind him. Now, listen to this. No matter how much I love my kids and how good of a father that I possibly can be, and I got work to do, but no matter how good I can be as a father, I do not want my kids limiting their view of God to being based on their view of their earthly father because he's so much better than that. He is filled with unfailing love for us. He doesn't judge us. He's there to pick you up. And when you go into prayer this week, you need to look at your heavenly father a little bit differently and realize he's just there to love you, to hug you, to reinforce you, to believe in you when no one in this world believes in you. Maybe some of you don't even believe in yourself. God the Father in his extravagant love, he believes in you. And then the last person of the Trinity is the friendship of the Holy Spirit. You need to know that when you're praying to the Holy Spirit that you're thankful for his intimate friendship, right? His friendship. I mean, that's what it said in that, in that verse a little bit earlier is, uh, the extravagant love of God, the amazing grace of Jesus, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit is with us all. The Holy Spirit really is the one member of the Trinity that you and I know better than the other two. We can read about Jesus and we can read about the Father, but Jesus came to planet Earth for 33 years, went back up to the Father. He's in heaven waiting for us one day. But what he gave us in return is the Holy Spirit is a way that we can personally know God. He's the member of the Trinity that most of us are like, I don't know much about him but he's literally the one that's living inside of you. And he's the way that you actually experience power and miracles and his love and his gifts and everything. It's a friendship. He guides us. He comforts us. John 14, 16 says, I will talk to the Father and he'll provide you another friend. Here's God, Jesus, talking to his disciples. I'm gonna talk to the Father and he's gonna give you another friend so that you will always have someone with you. The friend is the spirit of truth. He's promising the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is, the Greek word for it is paraclete, 
which basically means one who comes alongside. It means that the Holy Spirit is God with you at all times. He's living in us. Our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. So all of the gifts and the power and all that cool stuff that is supernatural and is of God, it comes from the Holy Spirit. So if you're seeking some of that in your life, you're praying for the gifts to manifest, Holy Spirit, well up within me, overflow within me, give me the gifts of wisdom, of knowledge, of healing, of prophecy, of, of whatever it is that he has for you, is that he is the one that's with you all the time. I'm thankful that he's daily guiding and empowering my life. You know, the thing about the Holy Spirit that I'm thankful for is it's how I know that God is real, not it. He is how I know God is real because I can read about God in the scripture and Jesus is there with the Father in heaven. But the way that I know that I'm a Christian and that God is real in my life is because of the Holy Spirit working in me and I feel different when I'm in his presence and he does miracles in my life. Jesus said he's the spirit of the Father, the spirit of Jesus himself. He's gonna put in every single one of us. So get to know all three members of the Trinity and who you're praying to. Let me, let me end the service with this. I went a little bit long. Let me end the service with this. There was a day, we're talking about life, the lifestyle of prayer, that you make it constantly, you're praying and you're in his presence and you will bear much fruit, remain in me. There was a day in 2008, in February or March of 2008, when Starbucks, you guys all know Starbucks, the, the world, whatever they are, a force to be reckoned with, the one that fuels our lives with caffeine every day. Starbucks on one day decided in 2008, we're just gonna close every one of our stores. Over 7,000 7, stores in the US or worldwide or whatever, we're closing all of them and we're gonna lose out on all that income for one day and it's gonna be on, reason, uh, on purpose for a reason. The reason was 135,000 employees, over 7,000 store locations, all closed on one day so that they could train their em employees to get back to the vision and the standards and the goals of what Starbucks is all about. Here's how you pour an espresso shot. Here's how you do customer service. They, they went back to refocusing and they said, it's worth it to us to lose the millions of dollars that we could make on that day by closing all of our stores for one day to take a break and to realign ourselves with the original vision. Now, if, if you look at prayer the same way, is that if, when you make your prayer life an ongoing lifestyle of prayer, what you're doing is all throughout your day, every day, you're saying, I need to take a break from the world and I need to stay realigned with the vision that God has for my life. I need to get away from, yep, this is gonna suffer for like five minutes, but I need to make some time with God, have a time, a place, a plan, know who I'm talking to, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all of them, but that you would stop at regular intervals throughout your life. Don't wait till fasting once a year with the church, that you're constantly in a relationship with God the Father. And I, I'll guarantee you this, you remain in him in that way, you'll start to bear fruit. Everything in your life will begin to get better if you can remain in him. Can we bow our heads and pray? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for prayer. We thank you for fasting. Lord, I thank you for, Lord, I thank you for allowing me the strength just to get through that sermon, Lord, how I'm feeling. But God, you're so good, and I'm, I'm so thankful that I have you to go to all day long. Lord, I thank you for those special places that have become holy places in my life and the, the times that I set apart to meet with you, Lord, and, and the plan, the list, the devotional that I take going into it. Lord, I'm thankful that I know every member of your personality, every member of the Trinity, and how you're, you're, you're all so different, but you're the same one true God. But Lord, I thank you that you love me in those different ways. 
the love of the, the Father, the grace of Jesus, and the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for my church that you would pour out your blessing and your, your closeness and your vision more and more on us as we continue to seek you. Lord, would you carry us through this fasting time that we'd be subtracting some physical things so that we could add some spiritual things to our life. Lord, meet us where we're at. And I pray in this prayer right now with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, if you've never made a commitment to Jesus, you've never really prayed a prayer that would, would ensure that you know that you're a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, that you're saved, that you're going to heaven, that he's gonna be real and moving and active in your life. If you've never prayed that prayer before, but you'd like to, I'd like to give you an opportunity to do that right now. And this is how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna say a prayer with you in a minute. I'm gonna speak with you. I'm gonna pray out loud kind of my words for what your, your heart is saying. And I'm not gonna ask that you pray out loud, but that you would pray quietly with your heart, in just agreeing with everything that I'm saying to God right now. And if you wanna do that, then we're gonna connect with God in a new way. And maybe for you, it's the first time of actually praying a prayer to become a Christian. Maybe for you, you once were a strong Christian, but it's been a while and you've fallen away and you haven't really had anything to do with God and you're just coming back and you know you need to recommit to him. Either way, I'd love to lead you in a prayer right now um, that just connects you to God in a real way, that you walk out of here knowing that you're a Christian, that he loves you like no other. And if you wanna pray this with me with every eye closed and head bowed, I'm gonna ask you to do one thing, and that's just on the count of three, if you just raise your hand to let me know. We're gonna pray together, then I'll pray the words out loud, you pray them quietly, and we're gonna do some business with God. If that's what you do, wanna do, on the count of three, would you lift your hand? One, two, three. Is there anybody here tonight? Would you hold them up high just so I can see them? I wanna count you and acknowledge you. I see you here, I see two, I see three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13. I'm looking around, I saw these 13. 13 hands tonight. Go ahead and put them down if that was you. Those people are clapping because they know what this prayer means. That this changes everything for your eternity, for your whole picture of life, for what God's gonna begin to do in your life if you would actually pray this and, and mean it in your heart right now. So I'm gonna pray it out loud. You just join with me in your heart. God, I'm here tonight and I acknowledge that I need you in my life. Lord, I believe in who you are. Lord, I'm taking a risk, a step of faith to say from here on out, I wanna follow you. Lord, I actually believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross 2,000 years ago, that he would do that for my salvation, that you sent your son Jesus to come to this earth to show us who you were and that he went to the cross to die for our sin, our separation from you, Father God, that Jesus through his death and his resurrection made a way possible for us to have relationship with you and the son and the Holy Spirit. So God, right now we believe that, we receive that. From here on out, we're gonna follow that as we go to church, as we read our Bible, as we, as we get water baptized, as we accept the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives, active and living. Lord, we, we just wanna let you know that we're saying yes to the plans that you have for our life. From here on out, we will follow you. We repent from our own ways and, and wanting to live for ourselves, and from here on out, we will follow you. We trust you. Thank you for what you're about to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. 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 Can we praise God for those people? That pray that with us, man.